Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. Well, listen, we are starting a new series today, a new series called The Showdown. The Showdown, Faith versus Fear. Faith versus Fear, a battle that has been going on uh, as long as we can remember, <laughs> as long as anyone can remember. This battle goes back to the garden, faith versus fear. And, you know, this is one of those things that faith doesn't just fight fear in the boxing ring alone without anyone else. Faith is like a virus and fear is like a virus. They both are. They need a host. They need a host. They need someone to speak. They need someone to believe both are the same. They need a host. And you and I are in, in this battle. Make no mistake that we are in a battle. Listen, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, at the end of his life, he said, I have what? Fought. I have fought the good fight of faith. So we are in a fight. We are in a battle. He told the Corinthians that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. Our warfare. Know that we are in a warfare and that we are in a battle. And if you are one that doesn't think that we're in a battle or you don't feel like fighting, I understand it because there's a lot of days I don't feel like fighting either. But I want to tell you this this morning. I cannot lie to you. I would like to sugarcoat it. But you will get your head bashed in if you don't realize that you are in a fight. <laughs> if you don't recognize it, you don't realize that you are in a fight. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at this battle between faith and fear. And somebody might say, why would you, why would you even bring up fear? Why would you, why would you talk about fear? I, you know, Brother Mike, why don't you just talk about faith? But I want to tell you something. When you're in a battle, some of us have been in uh, many battles. Some of us have been uh, in, the, in the service. We've served uh, in, in a branch of service. And one of the things that you understand in any battle that you're in is there is no way that you can win the battle until you first identify your enemy. Now, you can run out on the battlefield. And you can just start shooting at things. You can, uh, you know, do all kinds of things. But if you don't identify your enemy, know where your enemy is, how your enemy operates, come on, then it's impossible for you to win this battle. And you're in a battle. You're in a battle. Make no mistake about it. And one of the things also that we have to realize as Christians is that we, though we live here, us here, we live here in America, a great country, a great democracy. The kingdom of God, I want to tell you, is no democracy. It's no democracy. Don't, don't get it messed up. I don't care where you're from. Uh, you know, maybe you're from China and, and you're familiar with communism. Maybe you're from another country. You're familiar with socialism. Here, uh, we love democracy. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, all of that goes away. Uh, that, that's for us in the natural, and it's great for us in the natural. But it, when it comes to the kingdom 
listen to me closely, there is but one king. And what he says goes. And we don't get to vote on it. And the way that the king set up this kingdom is that the way it operates is by faith. It operates by faith. And I hope we'll see that over the next few weeks. It operates by faith. That's the way he set it up. You might not like it. You might want to do it a different way. But in this kingdom, he be the king. If I can talk in my great IU English. <laughs> he is the king. He's the man. He's the H-K-I-C. That's right, Mike. I said it. He's the head king in charge. He, he's the man. All right. He's the one. All right. And this is the way he set it up. He set it up so that this thing operates by faith. And so what I want to tell you is that the moment you become a Christian, if you give your life to the Lord, if you want to follow God, I would say that the most important thing that you're going to have to understand to digest is this law of faith. You're going to have to understand faith because you can't even get saved without it. Yes, for by grace you are saved through faith. Come on. It is the gift of God. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You can't please him without faith. So faith is important. It's very important. But some of us have a misconception of exactly what faith is. Maybe you feel like faith is, uh, you know, I speak something seven times and it manifests. <clears throat> Maybe you think it magically appears. Maybe you think it's like a card trick. I don't know what you think faith might be. But you, you might look at it as something, maybe it, this is a complicated thing. I just don't understand how this faith works. I mean, am I supposed to think about it and then say something and then wait? Or am I supposed to say something and then think about it? Do I hear something? Yeah, and we're making it too complicated. Faith is pretty simple. Let me give you a definition of faith. And then I'll break it down even further. First of all, the dictionary would say that faith is to have a complete and unwavering confidence. It's to have a complete and unwavering confidence in something. Someone or some situation. person with faith cannot be persuaded to think otherwise about a given situation. If you have true faith, there's nothing that can persuade you. Paul said, listen, in so many words, I won't be persuaded. I'm convinced. I am persuaded that Christ is king. And I can't be persuaded otherwise. But let me just give you a much simpler definition of faith <clears throat> that we're going to talk about. Because faith is a word, <clears throat> first of all, let's understand what we're talking about. So we're talking about the same thing. You know, I was in the army, a few elders, some of you may have been in the army or a different branch of service. When I was in the army, one of the things that they did was when you first went in, they made dog tags. You heard of dog tags, right? And one of the purposes, anyway, of dog tags was, in case, and it might sound morbid, but if you get killed in battle, they need to identify you. So they look on your dog tags. So your dog tags have your name, last name, first name, middle name. The dog tags also have your social security number, whatever that may be on there. It's how we identify you. But also, when you first go in, they ask you, what faith are you? And at that time, that, well, I don't know how it is now, but at that time, that was put on your dog tags because that's important, what you believe. You know, what kind of funeral will you get? I want a Christian funeral. So what faith are you? And that simply meant maybe you were Christian. Maybe you were something else. 
And being a Christian, there's many denominations, as we Christians know. Maybe you're Baptist, maybe you're Pentecostal or Apostolic, maybe you come from the Church of God in Christ, Kojic, or maybe you come from just the Church of Christ, or maybe just the Church of God. Maybe you're Methodist, maybe you're African Methodist Episcopal, maybe you're just Episcopal or uh, Presbyterian. I don't know what you might be. And out of all those things, it was so confusing. I just told the man, well, I'm just a Biblican. I don't know all those things that you're talking about. I'm just a Christian. So he put non-denominational. I said, okay, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. And the question, though, there was, what faith are you? And that was to determine what, what religion or what denomination you consider yourself a part of. That's not the faith we're talking about in this series. What faith are you? Okay, just so we're on the same page. All right. I've heard this said, and I truly believe it, and it almost sounds sacrilegious a little bit. Um, but, you know, really, a dictionary doesn't really define words. Right? I mean, I define a word, and you define a word. I say what a word is, or you tell me what a word is. And once we come to an agreement, and we have an understanding, then that's what the word is. A dictionary simply puts down how that word is most commonly used. I know I'm in a college town. I know you might argue with that a little bit. But I can guarantee you if we're in a conversation and I use a word one way and the dictionary uses it a different way, but you understand what I'm saying and I understand what you're saying and we're communicating, uh, who cares what the dictionary says? We're communicating. Isn't the point of words to communicate? Right? Come on now. Don't get too academic and scholarly on me this morning. And so... Well, so we have to understand what we're talking about. It, here, here's a, a perfect example. You, you can look up a word in the dictionary and it may have 10 different meanings. I heard a person put it like this, and only because I'm old enough to remember this. Even when I was little growing up, uh, you know, if, if a man saw a woman and she looked beautiful to him, he might say, coin, he coined this phrase, that she's a fox. I've read in the Bible where it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. That's that little animal with the furry tail, right? I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can use the word fox. There's even more definitions of fox. There's a fox broadcasting. So if I tell you, if I use the word fox, what am I talking about? Am I talking about the TV station? Am I talking about my wife? Am I talking about... The little animal, what am I talking about? And so we have to know what we're talking about. So when I use this term faith, don't think of it as what faith are you? We're going to use the biblical definition of faith. And so let me give you the biblical definition of faith. Whatever God says, do it. That's it. I know you're looking for something a little more complicated, but it is a proper response to the word of God. That's what faith is. I know confession is part of it, action, corresponding actions are part of it, all these things are part of it, but when, it, when the rubber meets the road, it's God said it, you believe it and do it. That's what faith is. That's what faith is, believing God and doing what he said. And so if we can, if we can be on that plane, then we'll get along just fine during this series. That's, what, that's the biblical definition of faith. But now faith's adversary is a word I like to call fear. 
So let me just tell you what maybe a dictionary definition of fear or some words that describe fear. Because first of all, fear is the same way. You know, there, there, it's been said that we, we have a fear of the Lord. And that simply means uh, a reverential awe. It means you're in reverential awe. That's not the fear that I'm talking about when I use fear in this series, okay? We're not talking about the reverential awe. We should have uh, a fear of God. But what I'm talking about, words like dread, fright, alarm, and panic, terror, come on, trepidation. It simply means a, a painful agitation in the presence or really the anticipation of danger. And that's what's so dangerous about fear. Because most of the time fear comes when there's an anticipation of danger. Danger hasn't even manifested itself yet. Yet we have fear. We have fear because we anticipate something bad that's going to happen. That's the fear that, that's the adversary of faith. It's the adversary of faith. Here's what God would tell you. Turn in your Bible, if you have it, to Matthew chapter 6. This, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. And in the Scripture, I don't believe it mentions the words faith or fear. But Jesus is very clear in this passage of Scripture. Starting at verse 25, I'm reading from the New King James Version. You might have another version of the Bible. Maybe you read from the NIV or the GNT or the GMB or the AMP or the MSG. I don't know what you might read from. The ABC? I don't know. XYZ, whatever version you have. If it's Holy Spirit inspired, then we'll be okay. If it's not, pray that the Lord will give you the correct revelation. <laughs> Verse 25 says this, therefore, Jesus is speaking. He says, therefore, I say to you, I say, Jesus, to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body. I was just asking my wife this morning, what are we going to eat today? Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. You're going to eat. <laughs> what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you, of little faith? There the word is. Therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Those that don't know me worry about these things. If you know me, you shouldn't be worrying about these things, God says. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But, so he said, don't worry, don't have fear. But, it's a conjunction. Conjunction, junction. What's your function? That's right. Hooking up phrases and clauses, and we're about to hook up a phrase here. All right. He knows that you need all these things, but seek first, first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And here's my favorite word in the Bible. That's it. Come on. All these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You don't have to add anything else to it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And so what is Jesus telling us here? He said in that passage, O ye of little faith, we have to understand that God operates by faith. Now, there are times when we get very emotional, as we should, because we know that God is for us and, and we don't deserve what he gives us. We, grace, by definition, grace is undeserved. And sometimes when I think about that, even now, after walking with the Lord for 30 years, I still have a tear in my eye when I think about the grace, more so now than ever before, because I know better in a lot of things. And he still loves me. And I want to say, God, why would you do that? And so uh, grace is, it's unfathomable. It's unbelievable. And we get emotional about it. But with that, don't get upset with me. But with that, the kingdom of God does not run on tears. Because there's going to come a time when he says, I'll wipe away all your tears. So if it ran on tears, we would keep having tears. Well, tears are, tears are an outlet. I'm not saying it's bad. I've always said our emotions were created by God. I'm not saying it's bad. But what I am saying is we can, our life and the kingdom of God, and as a Christian, we are not run by emotions. Kingdom of God isn't run by tears. It's not run by emotions. It's not run by shouting. It is not run by speaking in tongues. It's not run by doing backflips. It's not run by healing. It's not run by deliverance. It's not run by any of those things. All those things can be part of it. Absolutely. But you know the engine is faith. And I know, I know what you, some of you might say, because I'm thinking it myself. Well, you know, Brother Mike, listen to me. I, I see that you haven't studied real well because uh, these three abide, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so the first thing you need to learn is love, Brother Mike, not faith. Well, I, I, I agree with you that what Paul was trying to get across to the Corinthians in chapter 13, and you have to read the whole chapter, is that everything they did, they were doing it without love. And so without love, you're like a what? Somebody tell me. Tinkling, sounding brass, tinkling cymbal, right? He's, so love, so what do we get from that? That love is the greatest motivator. Absolutely. And it works hand in hand. Love is the greatest motivator. Everything, all of our motives should be out of love. But make no mistake about it, faith is the greatest activator. See, faith activates the Word of God. And, and listen, if you don't believe me, go to somebody in their, on, on, their, on their deathbed. And you'll notice that people around that person love them. I absolutely believe that they love them. But they don't pray the prayer of love. If that person is to be healed, they have to pray the prayer of, come on, faith. Faith, and we have to understand that. 
Now remember, connect this back to what the biblical definition is. Whatever God says, do it. You see, I believe that Mary knew the, the, the most about miracles. And why shouldn't she? Mary knew the most about faith. You remember at the wedding of Cana. You remember when they ran out of wine? And, and what did Mary do? She turned to her son, Jesus, and said four words to him. They're out of wine. That's all she said. They're out of wine. You know what to do. But Jesus, being the son that he is, a lot like my son, what's that got to do with me? My time is not yet. Why, 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 why are you telling me? But it's interesting, Mary being the mother, a lot like my mother and my wife, didn't even pay attention, right, to what he said. What's that got to do with me? She said, hmm. Went to the servants. Whatever he says, do it. And guess what happened? He told them to do something, and they did what? They did it. And a miracle happened. Miracle didn't happen until they did what he said. This is our definition of faith. Do what he says. Who was it? Naaman that had to dip seven times? He wasn't here. Why? What was so special about the Jordan? What was so special? There's a, we, we believe, I believe in numbers, seven, the number of completion. But what was so special about seven that particular time? What was so special about him going all the way under? I understand baptism and all of those type of things. But all of the, you know what it really boiled down to? You can look at all of those things and we can look it up in the Hebrew because that was in the Old Testament and really get, it, get all the numerology and all of that out. Really what it boiled down to is God told him to do something and he did it. And you can understand all the other stuff. That's good. Let's get all that down. But first of all, just do what he says. You don't, don't get all that. Don't try to get all of that before you do what he says. Whatever he says, he's got a reason for it. Whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. So why faith? Why faith? Well, let me give you a few reasons why faith has to be at the top of our list if we're going to win this battle between faith and fear. You're already in the ring. You might say, I don't want to step in that ring. You're already in the ring. You're already in it. <laughs> you came in it. You didn't have a choice. And it might not be fair. But guess what? That's the way it is. You're in the ring. And the bell has rung. And another thing I want to say is, look at the time that we're in now. The reason why I call this series The Showdown is because it's happening now. We're not, it's not a future event it's not going to happen in November. We're in it now. We are in the fight. Look around you. We are in the fight. We're in it. Okay? So we have to have faith. We have to be equipped. So why faith? Let me just give you a few reasons. First of all, faith produces miracles. We just talked about Mary. Do whatever Jesus says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. He spoke. And when he spoke over there in John chapter 2, when Jesus told them what to do, they could have questioned, wait a minute, fill the water pots with water. This isn't drinking water. This was water they used to wash their hands. So do what? Fill the water pots that they wash their hands with water? Yes, do that and bring it to me. When he had brought it, they brought it to him, what happened? A miracle happened. And then... The, 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 the master of the feast, what did he say? This is the, why did you save this wine till now? I mean, everybody drunk now, they're not even going to be able to taste the good wine. Come on. Supposed to bring this out at first. It was the best wine out of wash water. 
It's amazing. That's a whole nother sermon, what Jesus does with water. What Jesus does, Jesus walked on water. Come on. Jesus used wash water to make the best wine. Come on. You feel unstable sometimes? You feel unstable as water? I think it was Jacob. Was it Jacob? Told his oldest son, Reuben, you're unstable as water. Well, guess what, Dad? Jesus used water. Jesus walked on unstable water. Jesus used unstable water to make the best wine. So you feel unstable, guess what? You're, you're perfect for Jesus to use you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Faith produces miracles. Faith produces it. And the second thing, we have to understand this. Here's what we have to understand. Faith is not an action. A lot of times we think faith is an action. A lot of times, you know, something will be going on and someone will come to me and they'll say, you know, I got this bill that's due or whatever it may be. And maybe I'll respond, well, use your faith. As if they need to take their faith off a shelf and now use it to, to pay the bill or to get a healing or to get deliverance. And then they put their faith back up on the shelf. And I think some of us look at it that way. I know I have. But that's not the way faith is. Faith is not an action. Faith is a way of life. Faith is who you are. Romans 1.17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live, come on, by faith. But that wasn't enough. Paul told the Galatians over in Galatians chapter 3, he said, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Even over in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, he said, now the just shall live by faith. But guess what? He added something here. He said, if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So you got to look at the other side of the coin. You may think, well, I just, yeah, I lack, I lack in faith and, you know, but that's okay. It's not okay. I know that sounds a little harsh, but I'm trying to motivate you. I say it out of love because it's a motivator. I want to motivate you this morning. It's not okay. If anybody draws back, anybody draws back, come on. My, my soul has no pleasure in him. Don't draw back. Now, Paul was quoting something. He was quoting Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just. This is Old Testament, folks. But the just shall live by faith. So now I have a question for you. Think about today. How many hours of the day today do you live? How many hours? That's the, that's the best answer I've ever heard. <laughs> All of them. How many days of the week do you live? All of them. How many, how many days of the year do you live? All Until you die, you're living. Even when you're asleep, you're living. The just shall live by faith. That means every moment of every day, not every waking moment, every moment. <laughs> Come on, you get this word in you, you'll be dreaming in faith. Come on, you'll be able to rebuke nightmares. You'll dream, even prophecies and visions that come to you will be because of faith in God. Come on, he'll show you things because of faith in him. You live every moment by faith, by faith. And so when it says you, the just shall live by faith, if there is no faith, you know, 
One of the things that uh, used to amaze me is uh, I, I would, you know, I've, I've been around a little while and, uh, you know, I came through this thing like many of you. I think Brother Jim and I have talked about it a co- on a couple of occasions where there was sort of this charismatic movement or the, this faith movement, you know, where there was, you know, it was a movement of faith. And I thought, man, a faith movement. So does that mean what do we move into now or a different movement? I mean, there's a faith movement and then is there a grace movement? And then so what happens that when there's not a grace movement? There, is there no grace or what happens when there's no faith movement? Is there no faith? And I just begin to think about that. And, and faith has never, ever, ever been a movement. I understand people started preaching, you know, a little bit differently, more charismatically and, and this name it and claim it. And I understand all of that. But that listen, faith never went out. <laughs> faith was long before <clears throat> that preaching came about. <clears throat> and faith will be long after that. As long as you live, there will be faith. And so if there is no faith, if there's no faith movement anymore, there's no faith, then how will I live? How am I supposed to live? The just shall live by faith. So we have to understand that it's a way of life. This is the way we live, folks. Don't, don't take it off the shelf when you need it. Live this way. In the good, when you're on the mountaintop, you live by faith. When you're in the valley, you live by faith. That's what God wants to see out of you. See, blessing you is not the issue. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all, all these things will be added unto you. Blessing you is not the issue. God loves to bless you. He, he, don't even worry about it. Your job is not to worry about the blessings. Your job is to respond to his word. Simple. Do what he says do. So it's not, it's not an action. And the third thing is faith is our access to the spiritual realm. You remember this story in 2 Kings. It says that when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth. This is 2 Kings chapter 6 verses 15 and 17. Behold a host compassed the city uh, both with horses and chariots and his servant said to him, this is Elisha, and his servant said to him, alas master how shall we do? What are we going to do? They're all around us. What are we going to do? And Elisha answered and said, fear not for they that are with us are more than they that are with him. And Elisha prayed. Some of you know the story. And he said, Lord, I pray. What did he pray? Open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes and opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Spiritual chariots of fire. Now, my question when I, I, I read this passage of scripture was, Weren't the servant's eyes already open? I mean, because he obviously looked in the hills in order to say, wait a minute, we're surrounded. So, his, so I'm thinking, well, Lord, his eyes were already open. Why did Elisha pray to open his eyes? That's telling me that there must be another set of eyes that you have that are not these two eyes on your face. <clears throat> you must have some spiritual eyes that either a mask is over, come on, pun intended, or uh, you just not, they're not open. Your eye, your spiritual eyes are not open. Sometimes we need to pray ourselves, God, open my eyes. I'm in this situation, but our prayer is always, God, get me out of it. God, uh, you know, change the heart of my boss. God, send the money so that I can pay the bill. Lord, <clears throat> heal me, whatever it is. And all those prayers are great. But so there are times when we need to pray, Lord, open my eyes so I can see what you're doing. Because God is like, you don't understand. I'm already healing. 
You don't understand. I'm already delivering. The money's already. I'm already working. You just don't see it yet. Lord, open my eyes that I might be able to see what you are doing. Open my eyes. Gehazi, his eyes were already open. Not his spiritual eyes. And so those who would say to you that you just, you're just serving God with this blind faith. I want to tell you, faith is not blind. There is nothing blind about faith. It's just that you don't know the Lord and your eyes are not open so you can't see it. It's like you walking around like this talking about, I don't understand, I don't understand. Yeah, you don't understand. You can't see. <clears throat> Pray to the Lord. Open your eyes. Then maybe you'll see it. Why would it? And, and you know what? We frustrate ourselves sometimes, us as Christians. We sit there and argue with a blind person. I'm talking about a spiritually blind person. We argue with them. <clears throat> they can't see. Just pray for them. I just pray to the Lord, open your eyes. Right, that, that's, that's my prayer. That's my prayer for so you can see it. Because I can't, I can't make you see it. I can't make you see it. And then number four, listen to Romans 3.27. Paul said, where is boasting? Where is boasting? Where is that? Come on. Is it excluded? By what law? Of works? No. Watch this now. Watch this. But the law of faith. The fourth thing is faith is a law. Faith is a law. Now we understand natural laws. There's a natural law that most of y'all break going 65 into 55. Law says there's a speed limit law. Come on. There's laws. There's laws that say don't steal. You can't, you're not allowed to steal, right? That's a law. Maybe what's some other laws? We can't murder. What is it? That's now we're talking about, listen. All those other laws were physical, were, were, were man-made laws. But look at these laws that God put into place. Gravity is an absolute law. And if you don't believe it is a law, you know we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, we, got, we need to replace the roof on our, on our building. We absolutely need to replace it and we need your help to do that. We know that uh, we have everything we need to replace it. We have it already. It's just that some of the money is in your pockets, but... That's all right. God's providing. He gives seed to the sower. All right. So if you don't believe in the law of gravity, go, go check out the roof and say, I want to check this roof out myself. And then when you're done checking out the roof, just jump off and see what happens. The law of gravity will take over. There's a, that's a law that just happens. It's going to happen. There are many other laws that are just like that. Guess what? Faith is a law. That is just like that. Paul said faith is a law. That's how we know it works. I know gravity works. I know it works. I don't have nothing to drop. It works. It works. In the same way, faith works. It's a law. It's a law. You may not believe it, but it's a law. And guess what? Faith is just like God. You know, it's interesting to me. People say, well, I, you know, you would say something about God and they would say, well, I don't believe, I don't believe there's a God. And so I'm saying, well, that don't mean there's not one just because you don't believe. God don't need you to believe in him to be there, <laughs> right? Same thing with faith. Faith doesn't need you to believe in it to be faith. Faith just needs you to believe in it to work for you. That's all. <laughs> but it's still faith. Faith is there. and Faith is a law and the law absolutely works. Number five, faith manifests God's promise. I only got two more. Faith manifests God's promise. One more after this. Romans 4.13 says, For the promise that he would be the heir, it's talking about Abraham, 
of the world. Listen, for the promise, for the promise that he would be the heir was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham realized the promise through the righteousness of faith, of faith, of faith. So you, we talk about, oh God, God's promises. There are many of God's promises that are conditional. And we talk about God's unconditional love. And there, there, are, there are, listen, there, are, there have been times when I have just been absolutely in the wrong and God has blessed me anyway. Absolutely. I get that. But that's not how you live. To just don't live that way. You can't live that way. God will give you a whooping. Don't live that way. Don't live that way. But the way we live is we understand that the, the, the promises of God are, are accessed by faith. We must believe them. We must believe. That's how, that's how Abraham realized this promise, that he is the heir to the world. And then lastly, faith assures us of victory. It assures you of victory. There's a sure victory with faith. This, this passage in Luke chapter 22, uh, the, the, the more that I read this passage, the more interesting it gets to me. This passage is, Jesus is coming to the end of his time here on earth. And he's having a conversation with Peter. And it's not long after Peter says to him, Lord, they can all leave you. I'll never leave you. I'll be right here. I don't care. John, I don't know what John going to do. John looks iffy anyway. All of us know about Judas, how he left dinner. What's going on with him? I don't know what's going on. These, over, these two over here, sons of thunder. That's just a name. I don't know what's going on with them. But me, I will never leave you. I'm right here. I'm in it to win it. I'm here till the end. You can count on me. I'm the wind beneath your wings, Lord. I got your back. I'm here for you. Don't even worry about it. You turn around, I'm going to be right here. I'm here. Jesus looked at Peter and said, oh, Peter. He said, Simon, Simon. He said, indeed. Now listen to these words. How would you like for Jesus to say these words to you? He said, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat. I mean, think about that for a moment. Jesus to look at you and say, Satan, Satan asked me if he could have you. My first words are, well, what did you say? <laughs> that he could sift you as wheat. Now, I would have thought that Jesus, his comeback would have been, but I, I, I pray for you, Peter. I pray for you that you would be strong. I, I pray that you would put on the full armor of God, that you would be able to battle. I prayed that you would be able to withstand when, when Satan comes again. I prayed that you would be able to defeat him. He didn't say any of that. He said, I prayed that your faith would not fail. That's what he prayed for Peter. When he said Satan asked not only to, to have you, to torture you, or to kill you, but to sift you as wheat, to break you down and sift you as wheat. That's what Satan wants to do to you. And I prayed that your faith 
wouldn't fail. Think about the impact of that. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that your faith is the most important thing. I'm praying for you that your faith would not fail. And so this battle between faith and fear, fear is one of the enemy's most popular weapons that he uses against us. Worry, anxiety, fear, they can all overwhelm us with a thick shadow of darkness. All of these things, they control our every move, they control our every decision, if you allow it to. And we look around today, so much craziness going on around us. I mean, conflicts, persecution, violence, crime, natural disasters, fires in Oregon, come on. I mean, we've endured terrorism, uncertainty, unemployment. I mean, we can just start naming stuff, can't we? You just name it all the way down the list. And we don't know what's going on. I'm not even going to mention that P word. You may not know the word. You'll get it in a minute. I'm tired of that word. And the list goes on. It's, it's a long list that the enemy tries to throw at us. It's a long list of things that he tries to throw at us. And all of these things we could potentially worry about. And in all of this, all of that that's coming against us, Mary had it right. Whatever he says, do it. It doesn't matter what's coming against you. It doesn't matter about the pandemic. It doesn't matter about all of these things that are coming against you. If you want your victory, whatever he says, do it. Do it. Faith is our guarantee. Faith is our assurance. And faith is not activated by God. Faith is activated by you. For by grace you are saved. The grace of God, that's what he gives to us, his grace. For by grace you are saved. Through faith, that's what we have to do. That's our response. Thank you. That's our response to grace is our faith. For this is, what is the scripture? You have, you have overcome the world, even your faith. Even, this is your victory. That you have overcome the world, even your faith. Faith. 